It's September the 25th, 2019. This is 508, a show about Worcester. I am Michael Benedetti, and this is Brendan Melican. Hi, Brendan. How's it going? How's it going, brother? It's going good. Could you check the time on your phone so we can keep track of how long this uh, this episode of the 508 show is going to be? Sure. Yeah. What time is it? It's uh, 12.32. It's 12.32. Do you know where your children are? I have no idea. Hopefully in school, but... Here at the top of the show, let's round up the headlines with Worcester in 60 seconds. There has been all sorts of alarming crime stuff, like a man trying to set his family on fire, a meth lab bust, and a loaded 22 caliber firearm being discovered in someone's carry-on luggage at the airport. The last day to register to vote in the November municipal election is October the 16th. MCAS results are in, and four Worcester schools are newly listed as requiring assistance. Chandler Magnet School, Chandler Elementary School, City View School, and the Goddard School of Science and Technology. In the wake of a national wave of illnesses and deaths linked to vaping, vaping sales have been halted in the state. Maybe mountain lions have been sighted in the city, and maybe not. And my friend Paul Letsky, who's been called a titan of Alcoholics Anonymous in Worcester, died this week, hospitalized after a heart attack. Paul had more than his share of ups and downs, but in the last 20 years of his life when I knew him, he was a cheerful and a humble person who spent his time in service through groups like AA, the Mustard Seed, and St. John's Church. Paul Letsky, RIP. How are you doing, Brendan? Fantastic, man. Again, I'm just blown away with your ability to uh, tick off so many boxes in such a short period of time. You know, you just got to practice. You just got to practice. Uh, I kind of want to talk about federal, local federal judges, but you want to talk about uh, vaping? I want to talk about everything. Let's I, talk about first, I'm, Clearly, I missed someone trying to light their family on fire. Where did that happen? That happened in, that happened in Worcester. Here, okay. hold, hold this up and talk about vaping. I can, I can look that up for you. Um, yeah, so uh, as we have here, um, I'm holding... The newspaper. Uh, it was Worcester Man. I'll hold up another thing. It was Worcester Man and not Holden Man who tried to set his family on fire. So it was, it was in Holden. Worcester on Westminster Street. The uh, yeah, so Governor Baker. It's uh, he's a sort of a, a big move um, on, on. So we're banning all vaping products. This is a, I, I, this whole story, and it's been going on all summer, right? I think it yeah. took. I first heard about this back in. It's at a party in June, I think was the first round. It was in Wisconsin or somewhere in the Midwest, uh, a, a round of illnesses, uh, mostly in, impacting young people, came okay. about, and I started hearing about yes. this. The thing that keeps blowing me away is there does not, if you read the language from the CDC and the FDA, it does not seem that there is any immediate concern that this involves nicotine vaping products. It seems that it only involves uh THC vaping products, the and, and black all black market or all black, black market, market. Okay. all black market, it, which is the majority of the country, right? Because I mean, there's only a, a, what a dozen states that have uh, both recreational and uh, medical. Oh, sure, yeah. So yeah. I mean, the majority of the country, it's black market right. if it's there. Right. Um, what's interesting though is the language, and I, and I don't think it's intentional, but I, everything I've seen coming through press seems to be conflating nicotine and THC vaping products as being one and the same. So we're like interchanging, you know, say a, a, a vape pen you might have from a dispensary for marijuana or THC uh, with a jewel, right? Like in jewels are everybody's favorite boogeyman right now. So like that seems to be the thing, is, thing that people are focusing on. There's no question that in a significant number of the cases of, of these lung infections or illnesses and including uh, the dozen or so deaths that have occurred uh, up to this point that the users also all reported using nicotine vaping products, but the common 
denominator is not the nicotine vaping products, it's the marijuana vaping products. It would be, right. it's kind of like going back to that whole gateway drug thing that people always seem to confuse as like, yes, almost everybody who uh, uses heroin has smoked weed in their life, but that's because almost everybody has smoked weed in their life, right? Like you'd be... be well, it's also because once you know... If if you get to know a drug dealer from buying heroin from them, they probably have access to weed too. So sure, but it's not the 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 leap of going from you know, hey, we're we're smoking weed, this is boring, we're moving on to heroin. That's actually yes. that's not a yes. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. So it's not yeah. necessarily a cause and effect. There's a, anyway, it, let me let me ask you. Um, but this is crazy yeah. though, because now they're just ban in Massachusetts, where we have a recreational market, a legal market for uh, marijuana products. We're now banning both. The jewel products, which everybody's been gunning for in, it, it, for the longest time in Massachusetts, but now also going to start taking a swipe at the legal regulated marijuana industry and putting a moratorium on vaping products, which just seems crazy to me, if for no other reason. And I say this, just let's assume that nicotine is the problem, right? As someone who has struggled with nicotine addiction for 30, now th a full 30 years of their life, yes, it, I, I think we're around half a million people every year. Uh, die from tobacco, and I can't remember any governor of Massachusetts saying we're putting a moratorium on on tobacco sales. Right, like we're just going to cancel cigarette sales. Well, they did do this on alcohol, yeah, but we're talking about nicotine. I'm just saying I'm <laughs> that just would saying. seem to be the the better corollary. Yeah. So you're somebody who's close to the close to the vaping community. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, so, like, what are people? So, you know, there's definitely people who are nicotine addicts who are like, "This vaping is the be is the yeah. better way to go." Um, like, so what are these guys going to do in the interim? Are people just working through their their you know whatever they got in their drawer at their house, or are people buying stuff from Rhode Island? Or well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, that's probably. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you're creating a black market. I think, unfortunately, the the the, the problem is, and then suddenly now you're buying black market products, which products, are the problem in the first suddenly place. Suddenly they become deadly. Yes. No. So it, it's a funny thing, man. Because again, like I've I've struggled with smoking for thirty years. I've been I had been using products like Jewels and refillable uh, nicotine vaporizers for probably the last ten, maybe, and. Um, any time that I ran out of nicotine juice and like I needed my nicotine, I'd go right back to smoking. Like it wouldn't, the thought one wouldn't even cross my mind that like, okay, I'm taking today off, right? And I, look, that we want to call the weakness, you want to call the character flaw. I mean, I think we're now supposed to be calling it an illness, but nicotine is a hell of a drug when it comes to addiction. Yeah, I can't see how the governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is doing anything but encouraging people, including young people, to smoke cigarettes. He's doing something other than that, which is that he's scowling. I mean, look at this. And he's scowling. Look at this photo. Look at that photo. Look at that face. Yeah. You know why he's scowling, Mike? Because he hasn't vaped any THC this week. That's a face only the mother could love if that mother was a very bad-tempered person. Yeah, I mean, the, the two... Look, the, there's no question that you, we, we do have uh, some... I don't know that anyone's put a number on it. There's some degree of problem involving young people who are picking up products like Jules uh, because you get a little bit of a head rush that first time you take a hit of nicotine, right? That's, that you never get again, but you, you get it for that first couple days or so. That yeah. is certainly a problem. I think more problematic, though, is at least our generation, right? I always love pointing out to people that I started picking up cigarettes probably around 88, 89 or so, uh, stealing them from my, my parents who both smoked at the time. 1990 was the year that lobbying dollars and marketing dollars peaked from the tobacco industry. A lot of that had to do with new yes. federal regulations. But our when people talk about the, the big tobacco, right, 
it was literally our generation was the last true victim, if there is to be such a thing, of those marketing dollars and lobbying dollars. They ended right when we got to the point where you're kind of make or break. Either we're going to get this kid hooked on, on nicotine or we're not. And if you look at the numbers, it's been straight downhill from uh, nicotine usage from that point in time. Right now, when you look at a uh, big data uh, around tobacco usage, the only things that the only pools of folks that you tend to see still using uh, burnt tobacco plant material, uh, it either correlates with poverty or uh, low education attainment rates, right, which would lend itself to being completely different issues that we need to deal with. But the nicotine problem has mostly been solved in this country. And we, we love talking about how there's an increase in usage of products like Juul, and that it's a massive in increase. The problem, I think, with that logic is you're starting from zero and working your way up. So even if there's only if even if you're one, a hundred people use a, a jewel, right? Like that's a huge increase. It's a massive, in but it doesn't come anywhere close to the number of people who aren't smoking anymore. So like we really mm -hmm. won that war on tobacco. Products like Juul may be somewhat problematic, not nearly as problematic as burnt tobacco products were. But now we have, have government officials and health departments who, in their wisdom, seem to think pushing people back to the burnt tobacco is the way to deal with a small potential crisis within vaping. This is 508, Worcester's Libertarian Voice. <laughs> we, can talk to you, we can talk to you on this show about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu Marcus Aurelius, vaping, whatever you want to hear about. Uh, as Worcester's Libertarian Voice, I want to talk about our elected and selected Self-selected officials uh, for a second here. Uh, I was a city. I was at the city council candidate forum on Monday. I was. How the, was that, Mike? Um, it was terrible. It was really, really <laughs> terrible. It's like being at a city council meeting, but a city council meeting where it's almost entirely people speaking the, the off-the-cuff public speaking parts. Rather at than least, at least Robert's and, rules of order apply to the council meetings. I know. That's I mean, <laughs> and and I was at the end of this thing, so I'll say first of all, in these guys' defense, is bad public speakers. They were. All had all been speaking for an hour or something before I got there, so they may have been worn down. Second, I'll, in their defense, I'll say that, like, uh, you know, I am a proven terrible public speaker mm -hmm. on uh, Worcester political issues, as I show every week on this show. So I, this is certainly like great the, speed reader, though. This is certainly the pot calling the kettle black, but the pot isn't is the kettle is indeed black in this situation, and the pot um, isn't running for public office, and the pot <laughs> isn't running for public office. I mean, it's terrible, and and one of the one of the uh, audience members asked sort of rhetorically, what would you, if you were thinking about moving to Worcester and you were in the audience at this council forum, council candidate forum, how would you react? Uh, and I think you would react. I mean, I think obviously you would react by being like, I don't know if I'm going to move to <laughs> a city, this city, but I think that should also be tempered by the fact that I would immediately say to that person, you need to understand that these people are not people who are going to have positions of power. Right. That, and this, this gets back to this question of terminology, which I always worry about. And that's what I really care about more than I care. Like the candidate forum may have was born. It was terrible. And it may have been because people t were tired. Maybe the moderator was bad. The sure. questions are bad. Maybe I was in a bad mood. Who knows what was going on? But overall, we still have this, these, these issues of terminology that, um, anytime somebody moves to the city or gets interested in politics in the city, we immediately start confusing and misinforming them by talking about things like Mayor Joe Petty or City Councilor Connie Lukes. Mm -hmm. In that, 
in our plan of government, those words do not mean what they have meant to 99% of people over in 99% of the places over the vast course of human history. Our mayor is not our mayor. Right. I all, I really, you know, for a while there, I was thinking maybe we should call instead of on this show, instead of saying like mayor Joe Petty, we should say mayor McCheese Joe Petty (laughs) just to be like, you know, it sounds a little dismissive, but just to say like, you know, mayor McCheese doesn't run McDonald land. Yeah. Ronald McDonald, it's named after Ronald McDonald. He is the city manager of McDonald land. <laughs> Mayor McCheese is a dude who has a sash. Sure, absolutely. But it's mostly about the sash. So, but I, I think it's still that, Ronald's party. I think it's also a confusing thing. I think that if you start saying, well, the Mayor McCheese of Worcester is Joe Petty, somebody's going to be like, wait, what? That's also not helpful. That there's got to be there's got to be some way. I mean, I, you know, maybe we just start referring to them all of them. Uh, forget the titles. We just refer to people. It'll be, uh, will you, I'll, Joe Petty, uh, public figure of questionable importance. We can just we'll, we'll, we won't necessarily be dismissive of them. It just you leave it because I think the important fact here is that somebody moving to Worcester, if they're looking at this whatever is going on there uh, in, in, in local politics, saying, is that what I want my city to look like? Their options are like, I mean, they're already politically engaged, but there's only like, what how, What did we decide last week? How many people are actually voting? It's like 4% of the city. Yes, yes. So it's, if only 4% of the, of the city is actually engaged, I think anyone coming here, hopefully uh, is, is, is aware enough of their public school math uh, to be able to say, hey, look, that's just some old-timey thing that's going on over there. This really has very little impact on my life in the city of Worcester. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's just important to, 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 to remind people that unless you really want to get in and play that game uh, of, I don't know, like caring <laughs> what's going on in local affairs that don't really impact that many people, uh, yeah, you don't have to. You can just do your own thing. Like we've got great coffee shops. Like maybe politics isn't your yeah. thing. We got some good restaurants. You know, it's like we have we've got a Ghanaian population of like almost forty thousand people. Like go hang out with the Ghanaian population. Have have a good time over there. You don't have to hang yeah. out in this boring room of people who can't. I don't know. Articulate an idea in a meaningful way. There may not be a terminological solution to this problem. Maybe we just start ignoring it. Uh, I mean, do we, I can wish. We, can we ignore problems. Let's see. Also, can we just ignore nicotine, Brandon? Can we ignore? I don't. Can we just say like, oh yeah, are we addicted? Just, Is that what we're saying? Hey, can we? Yes, can I, we vape our politicians? I absolutely. I abs- with apologies to the late AA Titan Paul Letsky. I'm definitely <laughs> addicted to Worcester politics. Yes. I don't think it's healthy. I know that I would enjoy my life a lot better if I didn't care about it, but I certainly do. Oh, that's that's a good way to look at it. The the uh, another burden I think of our generation. The um. Do you know whether for that forum was there uh, were the questions given out in advance? Historically, yes. Worcester political for, uh, forums the questions go out in advance to avoid having a bunch of folks who might not have any idea what they're supposed to be talking about, like getting caught off guard. The reason I ask is I was just told this week that there's a school committee candidate forum coming up. Yes, I think it's today. It might actually be tonight, and that the questions didn't go out in advance. I'm actually, I've got zero interest in going to this forum, but I actually kind of want to go after hearing that for just so I can see people get caught off guard with probably pretty complex questions that they might not have any formal understanding of whatsoever, even though they might already serve as a city a school committee member, they might not really have any idea what's coming up and not, not having an opportunity to circulate uh, those questions amongst handlers and uh, aides and uh, confidants and whatnot. 
that I think I ju- we could just be fascinating. A, we just got a message via Facebook that says simply they were. They were. So is but is that for the the forum on Monday night that you went to, or is it for the forum on Monday night? Okay, I, I assume. So then the real show, as as abysmal as you may have may have found Monday to be, tonight is the real show. Tonight is where you're you're going to have a bunch of candidates coming in. Some of the most complex issues that we have facing the city of Worcester right now, I think most of them revolve around education. Yes. And everyone yes. is coming in blind. That is going to be an absolutely fantastic train wreck to watch. Well, I'll tell you about something that's not a train wreck, Brendan. It's our local federal judiciary, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, oh, we got we just got another textbook, text message saying CC. So, in fact, the city council. Monday. Monday. Got the their questions were given out in okay. advance. But they are not going to be given out in advance for the school committee thing. Fantastic. Right? That's what I understand. What unless something's changed. Do people ever talk about our local federal judge? Like, can we, we have a local federal judge? Mike? I mean, I mean, well, <laughs> is it possible to have a local? You know, we. I mean, we. So we. All politics is local. I mean, we're in Massachusetts. Yeah, but yeah. come on, is it really? Well, we have we have a Massachusetts district of the U.S. federal judiciary. Yes, and we have three uh, offices basically. So, like, people do business out of Boston. People mm-hmm. do business out of Worcester, and people do business out of Springfield. Right, and so we have a federal courthouse in Worcester. And so we have a federal judge of the District of Massachusetts, I guess, uh, in, out of the Worcester District Office or Bureau Office. Or it's, different things online are contradictory about this, which you would think the federal judiciary people would understand the terminology by this point in our nation's history, but they don't. Anyway, I think that this is interesting. This week I was watching the um, – I, ca- I think I could just kind of want to follow this a little bit on the show, just enough that when there's changes we can comment on them and just think sure. about the long arc of this. The reason I got interested this week about it is I was watching the French TV show Spiral, which is a, a police procedural and judicial procedural show out of France. And has the kind of things you normally would expect to see, like terrible murders and whatever, and cases of the week and arcs and all the dumb stuff that they have on cop shows. Is this the show that Joff Smith is is in? No, not okay. so far. Not at least in season one. Maybe I'm, I'm, I might not be thinking is, of the right person, but I think he in Joff, a French TV show? I think for some reason that Joff Smith is in a French TV, former city councilor Joff Smith, I believe, is in a French TV show where like he acts the role and then it's just like the, the voices are like dubbed in. Oh, I really hope that Jeff Smith is on this show. We'll I don't know why out. it's sticking in my head that that's the case. So anyway, I was Googling about the French, how the French legal system works and law enforcement system works because there is this like investigating judge who's a major guy on this show. He's not a guy who ever sees cases. They just have it. Instead of having an adversarial judicial system, they have an inquis- inquisitorial legal system. Hmm. Meaning that anyway, meaning that I was Googling this on a bunch and was so I got to figuring out like okay like so I just got to reading about Judge Hillman again yeah um, who I have praised in the past on this show um, uh, you know he was the guy who uh, oversaw the trial that I had for uh, a petty a federal petty offense a few years back when mm-hmm. me and my friends did civil disobedience at the federal courthouse in Worcester I thought he was a, an excellent judge and uh, um, reading up on this stuff I realized that there are two kinds of federal judges. There is the federal judge, federal judge. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their exact name is. And there is the U.S. magistrate judge. And the magistrate judge is like a he, federal judge is, you know, appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate, lifetime term of office. The magistrate judge is like, we need a guy in the Worcester uh, courthouse, for example, who can like see 
you know, when you, Brendan, do mail fraud and mm-hmm. are going to be brought up, like your initial appearance before that court is going to be kind of, a, you know, let's just get some details of how this trial is going to go work sure. out. They're not going to waste Judge Hellman's time on this because he probably has other things going on. Okay. And uh, or if you go up in front of that court for a federal misdemeanor or a federal petty offense, they also don't want to say, OK, the one federal judge we have in the Worcester area is now listening to how you whatever spit on a mailman or something mm-hmm. like that's not, you know, so they have a magistrate judge and it's that the federal judges of the district, they come together and they vote and they say, who are some guys that we want to be our magistrate judges? And that, that person serves an actual shorter term of office. Uh, and what I realized is that when, when I, when my court was case was being overseen by judge Hellman, as people will now guess if they've been following my logic, Hellman was our magistrate magistrate judge because it was a petty offense our, our thing that we did. Uh, but that, so he was a magistrate judge out of the Worcester district from 2006 to 2012. In 2011, Obama nominated him as a regular federal judge. And in 2012, the Senate confirmed him. And since then he's been our federal judge straight up. And since 2013, our magistrate judge has been David Hennessy. He, in 2017, also became the chief magistrate judge of the District of Massachusetts. So that's who we have in the Worcester office, if the Internet is accurate in telling me that, which is that Hillman is our uh, U.S. District Court judge, and David Hennessy is our uh, magistrate judge. Fascinating. So whenever you, you know, whatever, flip off a mailman, you'll go in front of Hennessy, and whenever you do actual mail fraud, you'll go in front of Hennessy first and then go in front of Judge Hillman. Can I um, make a public service announcement about the, the Worcester yes. Federal Court? Um, I have noticed over the last couple of weeks, I've actually unsubscribed from a number of Worcester sort of like Facebook groups uh, because of the number of threads I keep seeing pop up around the reconstruction of Federal Square adjacent to the federal courthouse yes. in front of the uh, Hanover Theater. Most of those complaints uh, circulate around the fountain uh, that was taken down there mm-hmm. because people are really upset that that fountain that they have fond memories of like hanging out at with Back their the mom 30s in the 30s something. and 40s uh, has been taken down. I just want to make sure everyone is clear, and this isn't up for debate, that fountain was built in 1991 by Mayor Jordan Levy. It does not, you, you did not hang out at that fountain with your mother shopping at Denholm's in the 40s. You know, if Jordan Levy was behind that fountain, this makes 100% sense to me now about how you have what it would be in any other context be a beautiful and elegant fountain looking like a piece of garbage because it is in exactly the <laughs> right context for it to look like a piece of garbage <laughs> rather than a... But if you go back and you look that's for... That's totally a Jordan Levy move. You get anyway. a photograph of the fountain. It says, there's a big placard right on the bottom, you know, constructed in 1991, Mayor Jordan Levy, City Manager Jeffrey Mulford. It's, it's not something that's up for debate. So people, please stop... I know everyone has to knock Worcester for something, right? We're always doing something wrong in the eyes of people who moved out to Auburn, you know, 40 years ago. We haven't ruined your childhood, though. Yeah, no, but seriously, that's just a, that's a false memory. Like, I don't know what you were actually doing <laughs> with your mom, out, out, you know, at that day when you were down at the federal courthouse, but you were not hanging out at that fountain because it didn't exist. You were hanging out at that fountain. You were checking Facebook. You were doing all the kids, the kind of things the kid would do. We got to convince, we, we need to figure out a way to get Judge Hillman to uh, come on the show and reminisce with us about his memories of the fountain outside of his courthouse as a child. That's what we need to have happen. Judge Hillman, if you're a fan of, of Five Away to Show About Worcester, Definitely please not, but. come on on board so we can talk about the history of this fountain in, I don't know how old you are, but in, in the 40s and 50s. And again, I just want to take my hat off to Judge Hillman and say, my experience, top-notch judge. 
Um, the owners of the Midtown Wall and the Great the Midtown <laughs> Mall and the Great Wall Restaurant, both on the Worcester Redevelopment Authority's properties it would like to seize by eminent domain, have not been communicating with the WRA as they have promised to. So the WRA has let them know, you better communicate with us guys or we're going to for reals eminent domain you. We're serious this time, Mike. Yeah. I mean, this is a little disappointing because I feel like when the when the Midtown Mall got sold by its existing owner to a, a you know, potentially similarly sketchy but different owner who was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to talk to you, WRA. Mm-hmm. I think some of us were like, great, this is going to be cool. Like the Midtown Mall can now do some renovations and can kind of, you know, whatever, not get eminent domain. Yeah. It can just kind of move forward as its own weird, quirky way, but move forward with the rest of downtown Worcester. Now it's like uh, same same deal as before, just a lot of stonewalling, a, just a lot of whatevering. I, I think most people had hopes that we had found a comfortable middle ground between uh, hard gentrification and just letting something die on the vine. But I also think that those same people probably believe that when they were talking about a facelift, they meant more than a couple fake shrubs and topiaries out in front of the main entrance. Do do people talk about hard hard Brexit or no deal Brexit? I think they talk. Uh, no, no. They talk, I know they talk about no deal Brexit. No they deal talk Brexit. About hard Brexit. I don't think we have a hard Brexit. Yet. So I feel like I feel I feel maybe we could talk about like negotiated gentrification versus no deal gentrification. This is well. I mean, and we, we were looking for a, we were hoping for a negotiated gentrification. I think we wanted to negotiate a well negotiated gentrification with uh yeah, and that's uh, but we we voted to uh, dismantle Parliament apparently. What, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> like let me tell you, remain was remain was never a true option vis a vis the Midtown Mall. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, guys. Uh, all right. We got the WRA. Uh, how many minutes do we got left? We got plenty of time, Mike. I got nothing to do this afternoon. So we were. I mean, know. if we're going to do this show in 30 minutes, we got three minutes. So we don't have to do it in 30 minutes. Um, Brent crude oil is $62 a barrel this week, down 1% on the week and down 25% on the year. Bitcoin is $8,400, down 17% on the week and up 31%. On the year. Mike, uh, the saying goes something along the lines of uh, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. Yes. Uh, which, have, which apex predators have you seen in the city of Worcester? Uh, you know, honestly, not a lot. Like, so you want to talk about this thing with the... Uh, Murder cats? With, with the, Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like, I mean, this is where, like, the whole Worcester magazine, whether or not Worcester magazine truly exists, the voice of Worcester magazine is so key. <laughs> because the only way to write about this story is in is in a very silly way, even if it's a true story. You yeah, still yeah. have to talk about it in a silly way. But even though the Telegram and Gazette can have a little bit of wit and have a little bit of silliness, they can come nowhere near the level of silliness that this story requires. Whereas Bill Shaner and Worcester Magazine can. Yeah. He says, we've got mountain cats in Worcester, folks. Well, I don't know that we do, <laughs> but the Worcester Reddit has been blowing up lately with accounts of bobcat and mountain lion sightings. Last week, a Worcester Redditor described seeing some big expletive cat run across the road by Nelson Place Elementary School. The Redditor went on to describe the cat as bigger than a bobcat with no spots and short tan hair. Others in the thread said there'd been recent sightings in Auburn and said authorities are reticent to acknowledge sightings of the eastern cougar as the eastern cougar is considered extinct. So unextincting it is a whole bureaucratic mess. I don't know about that, but Bill did call the Worcester Police Department and spokesman said that animal control did get a few calls a month ago about something that looked like a mountain lion on Moreland Street cutting through the woods. The <laughs> report was unconfirmed. Um, but yeah, maybe there's, uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, I feel like we've, um, there. I feel like there's long been stories of mountain lions being seen in Massachusetts. Oh, for around, quite some around, time. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
the Quabbin Reservoir. Western Mass, you get a lot of reports. And, and again, it is one of those things that I think gets debated appropriately so because they're not supposed to be here. So if they are, the argument has always been from state and federal officials that in all likelihood, it's not like we have a breeding, a secret breeding population out in the hills, right? It's probably like some some jerk had a pet mountain lion that escaped, which, oh, which yeah. sounds crazy, but it's not. Like there's... What is it? I, I believe in Texas, for example, there are more tigers held as in captivity as pets than there are still alive in the wild, right? Yes. Like, yes. And that's like, we know that. There are probably people in Massachusetts who thought it was a good idea to have everything from a chimpanzee to a mountain lion as a pet. And, and they, every once in a while, they, they get loose. They escape. Um, but I think we know why they're in Worcester, don't we? I, well, listen, I did a little research here, Mike. Yes. Because I found this piece by Bill fascinating. According to the Northern Virginia Society uh, for the Protection or the Prevention of Cruelty of Animals, yes, they have some instructions about what you're supposed to do when your house cat gets loose, and I think there's an inter- intersection we stip- here. We can stipulate that a house cat is not too different from a mountain lion. I think house. I have been attacked by no- a, a number of house cats, and I think they are exactly the same as mountain lions. They're, I mean, house cats are apex predators that don't realize they're they can fit in a shoebox. that's the only difference between a mountain lion and a house cat is the mountain lion is aware of its size the house cat is not aware of, of its lack of size but uh the folks in northern virginia state rather clearly that if your house cat gets loose and is is missing the way to get your house cat back is to take its litter box and place it outside because your cat can smell its own litter box from a significant distance. And it'll say, oh, there's my house. And it'll find its way home. Yes. I would like to remind the, the folks in Worcester that we now have a population, an on-breeding population, but we know there's a population of mountain lions in the city of Worcester because they live at the Ecotarium. And that's where... And the former home of Kenda, the polar bear, is now a population of mountain lions. And it includes probably a litter box or lack thereof the Ecotarium mountain lions to is it. the litter box, Mike. The Ecotarium is the litter box. The city of Worcester is now the litter box. And we, if there, if there are any... Mountain lions within in a the thousand re- miles of the city of Worcester. They're I, smelling that this side of the they're Mississippi. Saying, they're saying it may not be my litter box, but it's a litter There's box. There's something going on over there, and there aren't many of us left. I mean, yeah, hey, the mountain lions must be aware that they're near. They're supposed this to be extinct. Is my one chance to become part of a breeding population. I'm heading that direction. So I mean, this is something I think we need to keep an eye on. That if we uh, we we have inadvertently invited all the apex predators back to Worcester. So this is almost certainly true. And as soon also as soon as somebody loses an arm to this mount, one of these mountain lions, I think we all know who's. You don't lose an arm to a mountain lion. It just takes you down to you know. I've never even though Brendan, even though I've spent literally multiple years of my life in the mountains, I've Mm -hmm. never seen a a a cougar in the wild. So I I, mean, this is kind of serious. This part is actually serious because we can make light of the fact of what. Whether there are or not mountain lions here, don't mess with them. Mountain lions are no joke. We know that there are bobcats in Worcester, right? There was actually one uh, over the summer was hit by a car up by the airport, and uh, we. we, But they also they don't big cats don't want to be seen, so they're not seen. Right, cagey. The problem, and that's actually out in California, where the population of mountain lions has gone through the roof in recent years. They still don't attack people that often, but when they do, it is almost always a hiker or a runner that runs in the hills and follows the exact same path because what they do tend to be stalk their prey. So over time, you know, it might be days, it might be weeks. If you have a schedule, that cat is following your schedule 
And unless it's just unless it's starving and looking for an easy opportunity, it's going to figure out what your schedule is, and then that's when it's going to take you down. So unlike say a, a black bear, which is the only kind of bear that we have in this this part of the country, a black bear is never unless it's rabid is never going to try to kill you because it wants to eat you. And maybe if it's out with its cubs and you yeah. get between, it's protection. There's situations yeah. under there's situations under which it will attack you. But I have definitely seen black bears in the wild, mm-hmm. and I've definitely had black bears. I have been able to get black <clears> bears to turn tail and run for yeah. me in the wild because a black bear is like i don't eat anything i eat like maybe <laughs> berries i eat berries <laughs> i eat maybe a rabbit or a mouse yeah. i don't eat anything that big Mike unlike with a brown bear which definitely will try to kill you another murder machine yeah. but and so a wildcat a uh a mountain lion will is definitely like you're definitely like in the ballpark of things that it might kill in the wild yeah so it might actually try to kill you if you know it's on if it's hungry senses. and it's it, it's it's out looking for food and it, it so don't. So the idea here is don't 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 antagonize. Don't antagonize the don't antagonize the mountain lions, Mike. Don't 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 feed the mountain right. lions. All right. Well, this is this is great information. Uh, you know, we're saving we're saving lives this week on the podcast. I'm really glad. Bill that we are. at Worcester Magazine is saving lives. I mean, all right. And I would like to make sure we need to start this here that Bill uses the term murder cat uh, more than once in this piece. I think we need to promise ourselves as a city the next time we're up for a minor league franchise, it will be called the Murder Cats. That is the only, I don't care if it's, it doesn't matter if it's basketball or skee ball, the team is, is called the Murder Cats. Let me tell you, previous to this story coming out this week, I was very much ready to follow Bill Shaner's lead and call the new Worcester baseball team the Worcester Paw Sox. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but maybe Worcester murder cats, the Worcester murder. And, you know, I think it's a good way to hook in again, our generation, because the natural progression from that is, is a callback to the Thundercats. So as soon as everybody introduces yeah, the murder cats, yeah, yeah. murder cats, ho, you know, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's exactly, I mean, the whole crowd is going wild, just screaming ho at the end of, of murder cats, murder cats, murder cats, and the cheerleading, cheerleading guys doing that. And everybody's yeah. like, and that will be terrifying for anyone who comes to the city of Worcester to see the opposing team. Is everyone just chanting murder cats over and over again? Plus, does it connect to Worcester? Yes, because have we had lots of cats in the city? Oh, definitely. And have we had a lot of murders in the city? For sure. Yeah. And do we have a literal murder cats coming to the, We have them in the Ecotarium, and we also have them wandering yeah. our streets trying to get Perfect. into the Ecotarium. I love this. It's not even a stretch. Yeah, man. The only other thing that I have on my list of things to talk about this week, this week is this fantastic Telegram Gazette article about local municipal cyber attacks. But maybe we want to hold off on this. That was a fascinating story. We should hold yeah. off on that. We should yeah. actually, I would suggest, we should find someone to come in to talk about this. Because that's actually a big deal that I'm sure, uh, whether you're an individual uh, who's you know unintentionally ended up with some malware that may have uh, locked down your personal files. Yeah. I think everyone hears about that on that front. I was surprised at how many municipalities had dealt with this in Massachusetts. And you know, I think yeah. we should we should look out for a uh, internet security researcher to bring in to actually talk about some of the realities of this. Do you think rather than having someone from the city or someone like us, or people like us who are just going to make things up? I mean, there there have got to be some good folks that can speak to this with some authority that we should talk through. I mean, I can speak to this. I could. I'm, I don't want to get into it today. Obviously, like I feel like in my professional life as a sometime computer guy. I think I've had two kind two experiences with this. One is that when a client of mine, uh, which is an organization, got the dreaded Google pop up of "We think you're being attacked by a nation state level attacker," and this is a thing that you get, and this is a thing which the Democratic National Committee got mm-hmm. back a few years ago, and some people just really just close that pop up, don't worry about it, and bad bad move, guys. Uh, one of my clients was an organization that got that pop up, and so they they didn't turn to me. 
for a solution, but I was part of the team that sure. helped with that. So I've had a little that edge of uh, experience with it. And the other thing is, um, is definitely an organization I've done some work for in Worcester that they had uh, one of these, like, what do you call them? Encryption attacks mm-hmm. where like all their files are encrypted and a pop-up says Bitcoin is send us a bunch of money by Bitcoin and we'll unencrypt your stuff. And otherwise it's gone forever. And uh, that luckily like part of the work that I had done for them involved uh, backing up all of their stuff on Google Drive yeah. because as an easy solution to their previous setup. And so uh, also being an enterprising organization, when they get that pop-up, they were just like, great, we're going to wipe all of our drives, reinstall Windows and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, rehook up to our Google Drive. And uh, yeah, all the files come back for them and they weren't using anything particularly esoteric. So I think that that's where the cities have the problem, right? Which is that they're using all kinds of wacko software yeah. and wacko file formats. And they can't just be like, oh yeah, we all are like synchronizing to a common whatever in the cloud because right. there's lots of local configuration stuff happening. I mean, they could sync to something. They could all be backing up like an adult. Sure. But they're not all, they're not all doing it. The one thing that I, I found in here, though, that was really interesting and why I would love to talk to... Maybe there should be a professional on the municipal side as yeah. well, too. And again, I am definitely, I've had experiences on this front. It does not mean that I know anything about the it. The difference between your clients or a private citizen uh, and the municipalities is that you don't, you're not mandated uh, by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts for, from a record-keeping perspective. To do things a certain way. But also to be able to keep records, right? Like, so oh. a lot of these communities that were discussed in this article were smaller towns, right? That maybe these small towns don't get a lot of record requests. Maybe nobody really cares if the police log is missing. But from strictly from a statutory perspective, that's a really big deal, right? Like, I mean, that, that would yeah. be no different than the chief of police every night taking all of their files and burning them in a dumpster out back, right? Like, if that happened we probably would get a little bit upset. Somebody's, you know, somebody is sloppy at their desktop uh, and allows some malware uh, in, into their network. And everyone, I, I think it's one of those issues that like, because it's kind of obscure and people might not necessarily fully understand what's taking place there, that just, okay, well, whatever. But that's no different than, again, if like the clerk's office decided to have a bonfire out on the common and just started burning historical records from the city, in these, some of these communities, some of these offices, their files no longer exist. There's like yeah. a, there's an, a gap in record keeping on a municipal level. That to me, that seemed like the bigger story. Like I mean, it's the the story of like, hey, somebody did something stupid on a computer uh, and and borked the entire network. Like that's a funny thing that we can talk about over here. Yeah. Over here is this problem that a hundred years from now, some researcher is going to go back looking for some files and there's going to be like a 10 year gap in time because that's like when that's when somebody hacked the network <laughs> and it's, that can't happen. Like that, yeah. that's, it's not supposed to happen that way. That's, I don't know. Maybe we need to put monks back in, in Ireland, back in charge oh. of record keeping or something, but this system seems to be a little bit flawed. I mean, I'll say this in defense of one of these communities. It mentions that Athol two months ago had one of these attacks happen and that the police department is st- the, the police department is still not back to normal, that they have an officer spending hours each day in addition to his court duties, manually transferring critical data from hard copies to the department's server. So Athol, good job in at least Kudos having the to hard Athol. copies around. Yeah, and that's what I mean, in, in, in realizing the importance of that record keeping, you know, I mean, from a, even from a, a day-to-day perspective, right? You don't want to be the police department that's caught off guard with a lawsuit or something and you don't actually have the document. What do you, you go bankrupt as a community because there's no documents to bring into court with you or yeah. whatnot. But I don't know that that scales. Again, some of these communities are really small. What's the contingency for this happening to Boston, right? Because the fact that, or, or a city that size, you know, it's the fact that it hasn't happened 
doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It just means yes. that they've been lucky thus far, and, and somebody hasn't actually worked that hard to go after a bigger municipality. Well, ba- Baltimore had this happen. And what did they do? I don't know. It's somewhere in this article. I can find it. I mean, I, I, I want to bounce back to something that Nicholson Baker was writing 25 years ago. So if you weren't reading stuff 25 years ago, you can hear it from me today. Um, when I was doing all that research on uh, America's most prolific uh, serial killer and how he got his start in uh, Boylston, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was looking at the old Telegram and Gazette and the Telegram and the Gazette front pages and, you know, making digital copies of those for my own research purposes. And uh, I was also looking at other people's stuff online that they had research they had done. And one of them had, uh, you know, like a copy online of the Telegram's spectacular crazy out of control front page that they had on the day that these, that this murders was announced. And, but it had like a weird, you know, like slash through it or like, it was sort of like damaged. Okay. Um, like physically damaged. Uh, This is unfortunate. Uh, and, but then whenever I made my own digital thing out of copy from my own thing from the library's microfilm, uh, it also had that exact same piece of damage and then it was like, oh, like that copy that was photographed by whatever 20 years, 30 years ago is this copy that this guy got is the copy that yeah. I get that there's not, you know, where that's are you the gonna, copy. That's, that's the copy. Like maybe somebody, maybe somebody somewhere in some climate controlled shipping container does have that issue of the telegram yeah. tucked away somewhere. But like, as far as the public is concerned, the telegram doesn't like have a, uh, you know, the telegram or I'm sure neither the telegram nor the library have like, you know, the bound volume, which is what we had when we were kids, like a bound volume of those newspapers that would have that physical newspaper from that day. Yeah. That wouldn't have that weird, that weird piece of damage on it, presumably. Well, and I guess ultimately, and this is why I would love to talk to a security researcher about this, is, is that to me seems to be not only the problem that's easy to identify, but uh, the um, the area that where, the, where there is least concern, right? So over the last couple, since we last met, uh, I feel like Ed, Edward Snort, Snowden went back on the uh, tour circuit, uh, you know, reminding people oh, yeah. that he existed. He wrote a book, you know, whatnot. Yeah. So that came yeah. out. Um, but we've known since 2013 now because of Edward Snowden, right? That if you were born after 1987, every phone call you've ever made, the f- the government of the United States of America has found it Im- deemed it important to store that phone call, like the yes. record of that call. Yes. So that's that's a priority for the federal government is every phone call since 1987 has been stored in perpetuity. Yet nobody seems to be concerned about a system by where all of these very important records that are being created by uh, local uh, and state and federal governments are equally secure. Things that actually matter, right? Like, because you and I calling each other every once in a while, that is not important to anybody. That like, that, that will, regardless of what the intelligence community <laughs> wants to convince itself, yes. that is of zero consequence. But there are things like birth records and police reports that, to your point, years from now are actually going to be really important that researchers will have access to them. And some bizarre uh, malware uh, scam that doesn't go anywhere because like most of these communities are not making big Bitcoin payouts. Uh, they're in- instead just turning around to going back to paper. That's not, 
that's not okay. Like, I mean, our priorities are just so, we, we, we know we have the technology to do, good, to do good record keeping because we're allowing it to be done to us on a daily basis. Like probably the NSA had some automated system hack the Athol Police Department servers on a regular basis and they have a backup somewhere. Why won't <laughs> yeah. the NSA just hook them up? Just give them back their records. They have every, they because have then every they would have to acknowledge drive. that they've been, yeah, yeah. They have every hard drive in the world attackable backed up somewhere at the NSA. Yeah, that, whatever. I mean, it's a great to have a, na- a na- right. We should be thinking about that as a resource, our national backup system. But again, they don't. That's how. I mean, they're not going to make it available to that, us. NSA folks, we know you're listening. If you're looking for increased funding, <laughs> that's your angle. Go to Congress and say, hey, you know, quietly. You don't want to get everyone all weirded out, but hey, we actually have all of this data backed up. We've been backing it up since the early '80s. You know, maybe if you give us a little bit more funding, we can we can create a public wing that will just be the National Archive. Like we won't yeah. just be the National Security Agency. We'll be the National Archive Agency. It'll be like the American Antiquarian Society uh, for more contemporary nerds. I love this. I love this. Well, we should probably wrap up this show. Like we should I said, wrap this show up. A we long shouldn't time have started ago. talking about this because, again, this is a situation we can complain about this, but there's actual ways to solve these problems. Yeah, but we don't know them well enough to talk to them. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching the Five Hundred Eight Show. Brendan Melican, thanks for um, being on this program again. Thanks to WCCA for loaning us this closet that we have been taping the show in. And thank you, Murder Cats, for coming to the city of Worcester. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time. And remember, Worcester, you can bench more than you think you can. Done. I think that was a pretty...